after cancer, creating extraordinary wellness and joy with the author of Back in Charge, Dr. Shani Fox, on episode number 188 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Where I was, you know, at the time I was, first of all, in a marriage that had fulfilled its purpose, and yet I was still in it. I was working a corporate position that was very rewarding financially, and I was getting ahead. I was doing very well, but I had a sense that I wasn't helping anybody. Nobody really, it didn't really matter to anybody what I was doing. I was working with paper and with money, and even, you know, I was an auditor, and that's a very honorable profession, but it wasn't satisfying me. It wasn't satisfying my heart. So bottom line... Hi, this is Dr. David Phelps, the author of What's Your Next? The Blueprint for Creating Your Freedom Lifestyle. Thanks for listening to Dr. Brad Miller on Beyond Adversity, helping you to navigate personal adversity and achieve personal freedom. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, the show dedicated to helping you crush adversity and succeed in life. Brad believes you deserve a life that is fulfilling and impactful. And this show is designed to help you navigate beyond adversity and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Now, here's Dr. Brad. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. It is my pleasure and privilege to welcome you to this podcast where we discuss ways that you can grow through what you go through navigating adverse life events like depression, divorce, disease, debt, even death, and coming out to a place of peace, prosperity, and purpose. You can always head over to drbradmiller.com where we have over 180 episodes of this podcast designed to help you to navigate adversity. And we have a free gift for you there as well at drbradmiller.com. And if you like what you hear, please share that news with other folks. Today on Beyond Adversity, we are discussing the word cancer. What a massive word that is. When we hear that word cancer, it gets our attention, whether it happens to us or it happens to a loved one. I know what's happened in my life. My own father had cancer and died of cancer. And I know many people who have had to deal with this terrible thing of cancer. Today, we're going to be talking with a doctor who's going to help us to learn how to survive cancer, not only personally, but to help others in our life to deal with cancer. And after they survive it, which is often the case, to have wellness and happiness and goodness in their life. Dr. Shawnee Fox is all about helping cancer survivors get back in charge of their health and build their confidence so they can make the most of their new chance at life. You're going to love this conversation today because we're going to hear her story. We're going to feel her pain. We're going to feel her drama in her life when her own father was diagnosed with cancer. We're going to talk with her about the process of the ups and downs and the depressing moments and the exhilarating moments of navigating through cancer with her father and now how she's using that as a pivot point 
to help other people in life. And so that's what we're going to learn today. We're going to learn the process that she teaches to help people take charge of their lives and her unique background as a holistic physician and her emphasis on being a life mastery coach helps survivors to become connected with what she calls wellness teams. It becomes what she calls a CEO or a chief enjoyment officer of their own lives. This is a great episode today, particularly if you have cancer in your own life or a loved one does. This is going to give you some really, really practical tools to help you to navigate this in your life. Her name is Dr. Shawnee Fox, and she blogs at drshanniefox.com. And she is our guest today on Beyond Adversity. Let's get into that conversation right now. Dr. Brad Miller is here with you today on the Beyond Adversity podcast. This is where we try to, not try, we do help you to grow through what you go through. And we talk to folks who have had their own great stories of adversity that they have navigated in their own life. And then they help you. They help you to navigate situations in your life. One of the great adversities many folks face is the adversity of health-related issues, particularly their fearful word of cancer. And we're talking today with a cancer survivor and a person who helps others to navigate this world and to come into a better place of joy. Her name is Dr. Shawnee Fox. Her book is Back in Charge, Your Guide to Creating Extraordinary Wellness and Joy After Cancer. Dr. Shawnee, welcome to Beyond Adversity. It's a joy to be here, Dr. Awesome. Brad. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for joining us. And you are a naturopathic physician and a certified life coach. And you have your own story about some challenges in your life that have led you to be helpful to other folks who've had similar challenges. Let's hear a little bit first, if you don't mind, uh, Shawnee, about some of the challenges you faced in your life and your story. Tell us your story of overcoming adversity. What I discovered in my 40s was that I had been living, I'd been sleepwalking for the first half of my life. You know, I, I was raised in a family that meant very well, but I was kind of a black sheep. I wasn't like them. And so I was always questioning, you know, what whether I could live with what I was being taught. I tried to create a life around that. It wasn't my life at all. And so I got to my 40s and found that I was living somebody else's life. I was living my parents' life. And in at that point, I realized, you know, this isn't going to last. I'm not happy now. And if I keep going this way, I'm not going to create a life that I'm proud of. I'm going to have a lot of regrets. Now, this all is precipitated. These thoughts were all precipitated by the, about my father passing away around that time. My father actually was a great role model for me. He, when he was 52 years old, he had been hit by an automobile as a pedestrian and nearly lost him. He was in a coma for a while. He did come out of that. He lived another 28 years. And because he realized the result of that terrible accident, that he, that life was precious, that life was fragile he really made those 28 years count. And so he lived by his values. He got very clear what they were and he lived by his values every single day. And in that case, in, the, in his case, it was a matter of living, spending time with his friends, with his family, most of all. He simply lived an exemplary life in that regard. There was no tension between what he wanted to be doing and what he was doing. 
And realizing where I was, you know, at the time I was, first of all, in a marriage that had fulfilled its purpose, and yet I was still in it. I was working a corporate position that was very rewarding financially, and I was getting ahead. I was doing very well, but I had a sense that I wasn't helping anybody. Nobody really, it didn't really matter to anybody what I was doing. I was working with paper and with money, and even, you know, I was an auditor, and that's a very honorable profession, but it wasn't satisfying me. It wasn't satisfying my heart. So bottom line was, you know, all of this was taking a toll on my family and myself. And I realized, you know, something's got to change here. Otherwise, I'm simply not going to be living a life that I can look back on without regret like my Mm. father did. So it was a question of what it took at that point to turn it around. And fortunately, I found some support and managed to do that. It took an enormous amount of reorganizing, of reorganizing of my own thoughts, first of all, of my own vision, second of all, and then the actual circumstances of my life. But I did come around to a new career, a new marriage. All the circumstances of my life changed in those next few years because I chose to do it. And choosing to make a change is a profound decision to make. And then the implementation of that is also uh, life-changing. And so let's talk about the implementation of change in your life. You mentioned, uh, first of all, about how old were you when your father passed? Just give me some context there. Mid-40s. Mid-40s. Oh, okay. So this is about the same time you were making all these other transitions as well, career and marriage and so on. But let's talk then for a minute, uh, Shawnee, about what some of the actual actions were that you took. You know, you made this decision to act, but then what were some of the actions that you took? Well, first of all, the decision is not to be overlooked. The choice itself is so powerful because the minute a person makes a choice and commits to that choice, then anything that you need to do thereafter is simply what I need to do in order to get there. It puts everything in context. And so because you have a North Star to follow, then the action all lines up. It's all aligned with where you're going. And so even though some of it is very challenging, you know why you're doing it. And I think who was it? Oh, his name is escaping right now from World War II that wrote that amazing book. Anyway, it's about that man can do anything when he has a why. Man can do anything when he has a why. Man's... Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, familiar with... Victor Frankl. Oh, Victor Frankl. Frankl. Man's search for meaning. Okay, yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I just wasn't following you for just a second there. I apologize. But that was certainly a profound book on my life. It was an assigned... It was assigned reading to me when I was in college and was... Of really a seminal yes. part of my my transitions myself. Yes, yes. A, a perfect book to start to 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 you know a survivor of of the worst of the mm-hmm. worst atrocities of World War II, and yet decided that in, in under any circumstances he could decide how right. he wanted to be and who he wanted. If you to just use your mind, so to, these, to, just to give a little bit of context. Victor Frankl yeah, was yeah. a Holocaust survivor who survived by just a complete transformation of the mind to deal with the physical atrocities that were happening. So this book was important to you. And then, so the decision you made, and then I know you became a doctor in this process. So you made some very profound life shifts here, didn't you? Tell me more. I did. I did. I was in the financial world. And again, it was compensating me very well. I, you know, I had a perfectly good physician position and it's a beautiful, it's not that there's, it's not wrong where I came from. I was doing very well and it simply didn't touch my heart anymore. And so I decided that I was going to make a change there and I really wanted to make a direct difference to people. So it was a question of how I would do that. And that came about because I allowed myself to dream into whatever I really, really wanted to do. And when I allowed myself permission to do that, 
I realized that ever since a very early age, we're talking about like age five or six, I had wanted to be a doctor. And I had along the way given that up for reasons that basically didn't make sense anymore. And so in my mid-40s, I decided that is how I'm going to make a difference for people is I'm going to go back to medical school and become a doctor. Well, I, 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 that, that is profound in and of itself because I don't know about the medical school you, that you went to, but I know the folks I know in that world, it's pretty intense. And quite frankly, most people are not in their mid-40s when they go to medical school. So, uh, yeah. That's right. So, that's right. Well, that's why the choice is so yeah. important because you have to be very committed to your choice. In order to, yes, it was hard. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to of tell course. you otherwise. It was, it was, it was mm. arduous, uh, but that's why we do yeah. such things. And somewhere along the line, you just had, after your own father's death, you had your own run-in with cancer yourself. Is that, is that as well the case? No, I did not actually. It was, but my father had oh, passed away from cancer. Yeah. My father passed away from pancreatic cancer. And so I was up close and personal with it for those last, you know, pancreatic cancer, of course, very, usually diagnosed it's very late. Among the worst very, I've observed. Yes, it's pretty, pretty bad. Yes, yes, I'm sure you have in your position. So yes, pancreatic cancer. So from day of diagnosis to the day he died, basically three months. Mm -hmm. So it was a very quick journey that he had there, very severe. And yet, as sad as it was and as hard as it was, I learned so many lessons from him both before and after he passed, the lessons of his life that I mentioned before, and also watching him during this time. He simply refused to give into it as long as he could. And so the first half of those three months, he was still seeing people, visiting people, doing whatever he could. It was just the last six weeks that finally he had to surrender sure. to the body the just gave way. But watching him stand up and be himself in the face of that disease was, was a huge inspiration. And it is incredible inspiring when we see folks who at the end of life give us a gift some of some folks that do I've been privileged mm -hmm. to be in that position uh, Shawnee a couple of times I'll just relate one quick story mm -hmm. about a gentleman who I uh, was I was his pastor and he got liver cancer and it was only six eight weeks from the time he was diagnosed he passed away and he happened to be a judge in the community send people to jail and all kinds of political stuff. And he called in over a hundred people to his bedside to make amends one way or another. You know, you know, sometimes it was just to have a conversation. Sometimes it was an apology. Sometimes it was even some sort of business matter, but he made things right. And that made a huge impact on me and many others in that. So my point is people can give us a gift even at that moment, can't they? Absolutely. That's a very yes, inspiring story. Yes, it is. Story. And you have your inspiring story with your with your father and you work with folks where you yes. are, have been inspiring to them and hear many inspiring stories. But when we deal with folks dealing with these tremendously powerful things, cancer, death, life, death, transition, career, and so on, we deal not only with the actions that we take and, you know, that you mentioned about how you just couldn't see yourself continuing in the financial field. It just had to change, you know. And if it didn't change, who knows, but it would not, it would, many people get stuck or go off to a dark place. But I'm interested in for just a few minutes, Shawnee, about how you then dealt with kind of this inner life part of this, kind of the, the mental, emotional, spiritual type of thing. What, you know, we kind of have this factor that the death or the, the disease and death of your father was kind of an outer stimulus. But what happened on the inside? What were some things happening there? What were some of the processes that were playing your life in terms of this inner life? Well, the first thing I had to do really was find support. Because clearly the way I had been thinking up until then was not getting me the results that I wanted. And so I had to deal with being willing to look at, at 
beliefs that I'd been holding that weren't serving me anymore, that I needed to change. And this is a challenging, challenging process. It's, it's ultimately a very fulfilling process because the new beliefs that you take on are ones that are in line with who you want to be and with your values and, and just with your soul's direction. So that ultimately, it's a place of great peace. But getting there is very challenging. Number one, we have to even find out what it is we need to be doing, what we need to be thinking. So we, we bring in people with a higher perspective. This could be coaches. This could be a therapist. This could be, there are various programs. The very first thing that I went to was a weekend long program together with many other people who are doing mm-hmm. the same thing. I got to do some looking at, at the beliefs I was holding and some that I could possibly replace them with, which was a wonderful weekend. I, I still have friends from that weekend. And this is about 20 years ago. So support is, is huge along this road is having somebody who can guide you along, who can see what you can't yet see. And then it's a matter of learning to live into those beliefs. Now on our own, we might be able to do this again. That vision is a great motivator, but the challenging part is that it's producing changes in us and the people around us are not accustomed to those changes. And so people, even people who love us can start to say, Whoa, what's going on here? (laughs) Because she's changing. Now, a lot of it's in a positive direction and they may end up being very inspired, but it depends that, you know, different people react differently. And so there's going to be in in any journey like this, there are some things you will take along with you from your previous life, Mm -hmm. if you will, and some things you will have to leave behind. And that is also true for, for the people that surround you. You will find out very quickly who really loves you and who believes in you. And those people come forward with you and they are willing to, even if there are changes taking place. And there are some people who are feeling unsafe because you are changing and they can't at this time accompany you. So there's some greater bonding that takes place and there's some separation that takes place. This is a very challenging process. I call that the... And we have to be willing to do it if we're going to grow into ourselves. I call the folks who kind of want to keep us in this status quo area, I call that the uh, kind of the concept of the, mal- the malaise of mediocrity, where we just kind of stay in a comfortable place where we're kind of stuck there. It's a malaise. Mm-hmm. In order to break out of that, you have to really, really, really focus to break out of it. And also with the actions you take, but also so important is that support, is that new dynamic of helpful relationships. And so Let's go there for a second, a little deeper on the relationship aspects of this, because that goes to our emotions, you know, to tell us a little more about how that worked. Was that like accountability groups? Was that like a teacher or mentor in your educational process? Was it maybe, you know, books, tapes, this type of thing? Tell us, maybe it was just a friend or maybe, you know, you said you were a new marriage and so on, a spouse, whatever it is, tell us a little more about how that actually worked, played out this emotional connection with other people to help transform you and that you share that with others now. Yeah. And of the possibilities you mentioned, it was, it was all of the above at different times. You know, sometimes it was in groups, sometimes it was being coached individually. There have been many, many, many books and recordings that I've um, listened to over this period of time. So there's lots and lots of places that are great resources for this. But I would have to say that at some point, the books and the tapes, or the CDs, whatever we call them now, th- these have a limited value. In other words, there there is something about learning this in interaction with other people that it cannot be replaced by information, even though the information is wonderful. So at some point, you have to get with other people. And really, I think the fastest way to realize our vision is to surround ourselves with people who believe in us 
who are willing to hold that vision with us, and particularly the ones who are willing to hold that vision on the days we just are ready to give up and say, oh, this is too much. We have to have people out there who really believe in us. And so you have to find those relationships. Some of them will come from the people you know already, and some of them will be new people in your sphere. And that's absolutely wonderful. There's no, I mean, this is a wonderful basis for a relationship when you're holding each other's vision and helping each other to climb this ladder out of the malaise and into the zone of, some people call it the zone yes. of genius. You know, it, that may sound like an exaggeration, but it means that we are at a, at a place where our soul yes. is alive, where it's constantly learning I, and growing. I, I, I've read that and book, so, Zone of Genius, and familiar with that term. term. Yes, yeah. isn't that wonderful? So, yeah, so we, we have to find those people. And there will be others. It, it doesn't mean they have to leave your life entirely, but that means we just may have a different relationship than we've had with them up until now. We may have just a more, you know, a, acquaintanceship or just, you know, we get together and we do fun things, but they may not be part of the circle with which we talk well, from you, our you, hearts you've, you've gone on about a new, what's really going on for us. So we have different You're people. tracking one way if you're on the the malaise part, just to analogy. You're tracking one way and you, you mentioned the tracking you had in your former career and so on and so forth and your former marriage and so on. But you're tracking a new way now. You're tracking a new way. And therefore you track, you travel then new traveling partners in this process. And that's, and that can yes. be just, in, you know, it has its challenges, of course, but uh, certainly you're going on this uh, journey together. You know, it's a pilgrimage in a way. I wouldn't yes. terminology for it. Exactly. That's a good, that's a great thing. But along this pilgrimage, uh, Shawnee, we have to then uh, implement, I call it the cognitive part. You know, how do we develop new habits or new processes? Because it is new, as you mentioned, you know, you're used to one thing. You're used mm -hmm. to a certain level of income that's kind of steady. You're used to certain uh, relationships that are expected. But now you're doing new stuff, which means new habits, new processes, new new ways of doing things. So tell us some of the things that you've done in your life that have been helpful to you, some new habits or processes or things that you've done kind of as a cognitive level to make this a part of your, integrated as a part of your life. Well, integrate is really the key word here. Because again, the information is only so helpful, but until we start living it, it's not really us. We're not really producing the results that we're going to get, that we'd like to get. So integration is key. And what does that mean? It means that every day I'm doing things that align with this new path that I'm on. So I begin to be, I begin to really notice when I'm frustrated, when I'm not getting the results that I want, I have to take responsibility for that and say, wait a second here, that's a good signal that something needs to be looked at. Now I have to take responsibility for it and say, okay, if I'm not happy with the way it's going now, what do I have the power to do in this moment to start this on another trajectory, to change it up? So it becomes a real noticing of the way you're living your life without judgment, without judgment. You don't want to beat yourself yeah. up in the process. And that's another skill, which is essential to develop sure. along this route. You have to be compassionate with yourself that you've done the best you can so far and you're making changes. So each time you come across something which is not serving or you get in the sense that this isn't, this is just isn't aligned with where I want to go, then I have to look at it and, and start to revise it. Well, a lot um, of folks, when the, uh, if they have no pathway, they'd kind of hang on to those things just because it was comfortable. And you're saying, say, say goodbye to some yes. of those things and start these new pathways. But so I'm sorry, I interrupted yes. you and I apologize. So please continue. No, it's, it, that's quite okay. I, I you know, the, you, you mentioned the word comfort a few times. Yeah, this is not the most comfortable mm -hmm. path, but it is the most yes. rewarding path for sure. So if comfort is the highest of your values, 
maybe this isn't the path for you. But if you're willing to let comfort go to the side for a little while in order to feel a greater peace in the end, and like you say, grow mm-hmm. through it, what, what comes out is, is, is enormously, enormously rewarding. You know, we can start with, when I, when I talk about new, new habits and patterns, you know, one of the ways we start, and this is, I do this with the people I work with as well, is just simply notice how you're speaking. Notice your own conversation. Notice, for example, if you have a tendency to gossip, is that serving? Who's that serving? It doesn't serve anybody. And so we have to say, okay, wait a minute. That's one of my old habits. Up until now, I talk that way. I choose not to do that anymore. I choose not to do it anymore. And if somebody else gossips in my direction saying, you know, thank you, but I'm going to choose to, let's, let's talk about something else. Let's, let's, let's not go there. But just being willing to put a stop and then substituting, learning to put in instead things that serve. So finding, learning to find what's beautiful about people and not the things that bother you about mm. them. And you could use, you could use um, the same thinking towards other aspects of our life, like comparison or guilt or regret. You know, mm-hmm. we certainly can Absolutely. do this type of things. There, we're just you know turning on a different tape, you know, different uh, deal. And when yes. you know we heard that we've heard the phrase, you know, hurt people, hurt people. But when that starts to happen, we do not have to participate in the pain making or the pain sharing or whatever it is to be. So that's right. And that's That's part, that's awesome. So part of what you've done now, we also want to watch the conversations. No, no, Uh, pardon me. Go ahead and finish your thought. Then I got to take us a different direction after that, or a little deeper direction, but you see, we have to watch our conversation. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. The most important thing in all of this is the conversation you're having with yourself. And so among other things, we don't, you know, we want to watch what we say to other people. We also want to watch what we're saying internally. And so if we're beating on ourselves, you know, oh, I'll never get Mm -hmm. this right. Oh, I just don't seem to have the talent for this. Then we have to watch Mm -hmm. that too. And that's a very important conversation. So when we catch ourselves doing that, we say, stop. Oh, wait a minute. I don't think like that anymore. I may not have done this up until now, but I'm trying and I get credit for that. So in that process, do you have any kind of ongoing self-affirmation or a statement, a mission statement or a neural neurolinguistic programming process? Anything along that line that you use to help to set those states for yourself? That new, your new... I, I have used affirmations before. I remember in, in early on in this process, I, I would tell myself over and over and over again, I'm a beautiful and compassionate woman who deserves to be happy. And, you know, that will look different. That affirmation will look different for anybody who goes through this process. But I can still say that 20 years later, easily and yes. in the mirror, <laughs> because because I learned to to align with it. It became me. Well, that, that is awesome. And, you, and part of that process and of the affirmations is to repeat that or and then repeat enough till you believe it, because some people have to you know, have break the old patterns in order to even have a place of believing it. And, and so now... And and I say you can believe it when you say it in the mirror, and you can do it yeah. and smile. And not and not <laughs> and sometimes old people will you know I've done this occasionally. When you say something in the mirror because you think you ought to, and then you under your breath you say, oh boy, what a jerk, you know, whatever it is, you know, for even saying that kind of stuff. But then you got to keep doing it again. Habit. You got to keep going back to it. That's what I mean by habits and ritual. And part of what exactly. I believe in is you got to do things multiple times, kind of you know out, out of uh, you know out of uh, willpower initially. In order then to build the habit, you know, I believe it takes, I uh, kind of use a biblical metaphor of 40 days. It takes 40 days to 
kind of ingrained some sort mm-hmm. of a new pattern in, in, in your in your life. And and I I see you being now helpful, Shawnee, to other people in this who are going through similar uh, pain and life transitions that you have gone through. And let's go there for a minute or two now, because you obviously are a passionate, engaged woman who's made these decisions for yourself. You took some actions. You are no longer going to be satisfied with those old patterns. You took some dramatic actions. You became a doctor in your 40s. That is so awesome. I, you know, I I know uh, at least one person who had a similar track and what a challenge. And uh, you've made these changes yourself. And now you're compassionate enough and loving enough to want to share it with other people. So tell us how you do that. Tell us what you tell us about your book. It's called Back in Charge, Your Guide for Creating Extraordinary Wellness and Joy After Cancer. And you have several other programs and several other things people can find at your website and what you're about. What do you offer people? Let's talk a little bit of what now you're sharing, your gift to the world. When I went to medical school, about halfway through medical school, I found myself very inspired by a presentation um, by a doctor, a practicing doctor at the time, who brought in with him several people who were going through cancer treatment. And I realized, you know, I, I was I was inspired to tears by this presentation, actually. And after it was over, I remember I didn't go to my next class right away. I went to a stairwell and sat with it and said, what was so inspiring about that? To me, what 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 is it that, that just touched my heart so about that? And I realized that cancer patients, you know, with the aggressiveness of treatments, et cetera, and all the circumstances around it, you know, the the, the shock and you know of all the people around them, et cetera, they're dealing with so much, and they find themselves at their most vulnerable place probably in their entire life, and. All they want, it, 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 these people that I watched at that day, all they wanted was to rebuild to a place of good health, of course, but also happiness. They were willing at that point to, to do just what it took to, to come back to the place where they could live healthy and happy again. And I realized, wow, what an amazing place to work with people who have been brought low through none of their own fault, but there they are, physically weak, emotionally overwhelmed, and yet there's such a drive in them to just come back better, as they say, you know, just, just build the best them they could be afterwards. And so I realized that's a beautiful, beautiful place to work with people who are so motivated. And so I there then pointed all the rest of my training at working with cancer patients and survivors. And when I actually went out into practice, that is in fact what the universe brought me. About half my patients were cancer patients and survivors. And I began to work with them with holistic medicine, which is wonderful. It helps people recover beautifully because the, the system, the, the conventional system does treatment very well, ever better, but doesn't really address recovery. And so that's what holistic physicians do. We get people's well-being back. So they're feeling well again. So I, I was able to do that with them. And I, that felt really good. But in the process, I realized how much they were dealing with in the emotional and spiritual sphere. And that that was at least as significant a part of this journey as the physical part. And so I got very interested in that and, and eventually trained myself through a life coaching program that I certified and began to work with that part more and more because they weren't, they weren't finding resolution to that. And over time, I that became the sole focus of my practice is what does it take for a cancer survivor to get beyond the fears of the cancer recurring, for example, to deal with the people around them who say, Oh, well, treatment's done. So you're mm. all back yeah. to normal, right? 
and they know things no. are not normal at all. All these things that they have to deal with that are simply not fully recognized and that are very difficult for them to deal with. So I help them through this particular and unique set of challenges until they feel like they're back under their own steam and back in charge of their lives again. Which is thus the, the process that you create a guide, and I know it's a kind of a workbook and some other things here, for creating extraordinary wellness and joy after cancer. And I've, I just share with you, you know, I've dealt with that myself on many occasions of my ministry, my 40 years of ministry in churches and my own life. My father died of cancer and just our conversation is very apropos in my life, actually, because I just got a call just two days ago that when I'm a family member, another family member of mine is as I was diagnosed with a malignancy. And so now I'm trying to figure out you know, how am I going to be helpful and supportive there? So awesome. I thank you for, for sharing all this. But what are people going to, you know, if people go to your book or go to your website, what are they going to find there that they can apply to their life? And what's what's maybe something specific that they could do there? Well, one of the primary ways that people find me is because they're dealing with recurrent. You know, this is actually very, very common. There's actually research that demonstrates that about 70%, 70% of survivors deal with intermittent or persistent fear about recurrence of their cancer. And so a lot of them will find me because they're living in fear and they know it and they realize it's impacting their life. They can't even live their lives. And yet they, and they want to, but they they find themselves unable to overcome the fear. So I have one resource that's available through my website or directly on Amazon, which is called the Cancer Survivors Fear First Aid Kit. And that's a multimedia kit, which helps through a, a short book, but also guided meditations and a workbook to help people develop the new habits of thought, as we were talking about, that will help them get past their fear. That's their portal to a new life is, is seeing that there's more out there than their fear. That fear is, we can't erase it, but we can let it take its proper place, which is a sure. minor place. Get a perspective that. Because that phrase, fro- that phrase exactly. that, that so is used, in, used often frozen in fear is a reality for some folks. I've seen it mm-hmm. and, and uh, experienced yeah. it. But one more thing I want to ask you about, and, that, and then we'll uh, let you go, is it has to do with people you've worked with. Let's, I'd love to hear a story about somebody or some situation you've worked with where you have just seen, okay, this person had the fear. This person was frozen. This person was in a bad place. And after some of the work you did with them, yes. they came to a better place, a place of wellness and, and joy. Can you just share us share with us a story? I certainly can. I, I had a woman come to me, a survivor of liver cancer. name is Cindy. And Cindy basically had shut down her life for about three years before she had seen me. She was actually doing fine physically, pretty much. She was no lo- she was cancer free at the time that I saw her. But she had she was so fearful of a recurrence of liver cancer, which is a cancer that does recur in fair proportion. She was so concerned about it that she was simply not going out anymore. She was staying within her four walls of her house and dealing with this fear. Turns out Cindy was an artist, a sculptor, and also a photographer. And one of her greatest pleasures used to be that she would go out in Eastern Oregon. We have herds of wild horses that roam around. They're quite beautiful, as is the land out there. And she used to take her camera out there and photograph those wild horses. That was one of her passions. She hadn't done it for years. So once we got her physical program going, we talked about this and In a series, she actually entered a group program that I had going at the time. And about six weeks in, she said, next week, I'm going to miss the 
the, the group program, but I'll see you the following week. And when she came back, she had been out to Eastern Oregon. She took her camera out to Eastern Oregon again. And she was a different person for just allowing herself to get back into life, to do the thing that enlivened her so. About a month after that, she decided she would go back out to Eastern Oregon again. And this time she went out. And when she got to the place where she usually would get out of the car and go in search of the herd, she noticed there were cones across the road. So she took her camera. She walked in there. And when she got farther back, she found that there was a film crew back there. And they were filming these wild Mustangs because they were concerned with their preservation. And when they heard that Cindy had such a huge archive of photographs of these Mustangs, they actually invited her to join in their efforts, which she did. And now the thing that was just a love of hers has now become a passion of hers and a cause that she is involved in. And so she got her life back by giving herself permission again to not be controlled by the fear and to go ahead and live, even if the fear has to accompany her kind of in the background. She was willing she to go got, past that and, and live a she, full life again. So to this, no, day, that I is remember. awesome. And she experienced extraordinary joy, and that that that's great. So, so uh, Shawnee, how if mm-hmm. folks want to be connected with you, tell us what your website is, or any other ways folks can be connected with you if they want to reach out to you. Absolutely, my website is www.drshawneefox.com. So d r s h a n i f o x dot com. I have my blog there. I have the portal to my Facebook group there. It's a private Facebook group for women survivors of cancer called Women Rising Beyond Cancer. And of course, you can purchase the book if you wish via the website as well. I also invite anybody who is enduring fear right now who feels like their life isn't what it could be beyond cancer. There's an opportunity on my website to sign up for a, a complimentary conversation with me. We will. Look at where you are and where you'd love to be and point you in that direction. And so I invite you to take advantage of that gift. We will we'll connect up folks right? with all of these, all the websites, this one that you mentioned at our website, drbradmiller.com. You are providing a great gift to the world and it is a need. I know that from my own personal experiences for people to have some tools or processes or ways to deal with, with the extraordinary drama of cancer and other things. And you're giving us a gift and we appreciate you, Dr. Shawnee Fox, the author of Back in Charge, your guide to creating extraordinary wellness and joy after cancer. We thank you for being our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast. Many thanks to Dr. Shawnee Fox for being our guest today on Beyond Adversity. You can find her at drshanniefox.com. That's D-R-S-H-A-N-I-F-O-X.com. There you're going to find lots of great resources for you. We do, I always like to share some takeaways or some things that you can do or what you can do about what we've heard here today. And I want to point you to two things that you can find on her website that can be helpful to you. If you're dealing with the fact of cancer in your life, either yourself or a loved one, and you really do want to not be absorbed into depression and dismay and and all the gloom and doom of that. And if you really do want to have a life of wellness and joy uh, regarding cancer in your life and to get through it. She has several great things on her website, but I call your attention to two things. It's what one thing she calls her gratitude challenge, which is simply listing out and being aware of what are the things that you can celebrate. Even in the midst of uh, really distressing and dismaying news, what can you celebrate? And the second thing that I would call your attention to is an assessment tool that she has, and it's called Make the Most of the Life You Survived. 
and this is a helpful tool and give you some actual um, uh, uh, concepts and pr uh, some tools to hang on to to help you to implement them into your life, to have a life that is fulfilling and joyful, even in the midst of cancer. Here on the Beyond Adversity podcast, we love to talk to people like Dr. Shawnee Fox and other folks who can speak into your life. We have over 180 episodes of our podcast, which is all about helping you to overcome adverse life conditions, such as we call them the five D's of, uh, of adversity, depression, divorce, disease, debt, and death. We have many guests who help us to speak into those five areas and help give you some practical tools to get through your life. And I teach my own process as well. They can be helpful to you as well. You can always head over to drbradmiller.com to get all the back episodes of the podcast and a free gift for you there. We're here to serve you. It is always our pleasure and privilege. If you like what you hear, please share the good news with other folks. We are here to help you to grow through whatever you go through. We'll be here with you next week here on the Beyond Adversity podcast. Until then, please remember to always do all the good that you can. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You can find a complete archive of all episodes at drbradmiller.com. That's drbradmiller.com. Or subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Each week, we bring you a message to crush adversity and live your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose.